You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. I am Dave Barry, and I am joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell and Adam Gorney. We're going to get into 2021 rankings, guys. But first, let's talk about Michigan State uh, hiring former Colorado coach Mel Tucker. Uh, Mike, tell me your thoughts on that. You know, at first I was, you know, typical, like everybody on Twitter, with the outrage. Uh, because, you know, Twitter outrage is awesome and it's fun and it's something that keeps you going in life. But then I was like, you know what? This guy got offered a job for a ton of money. You know, he turned it down. Then they came back and offered more money and he took it. It's life. You know, I know he's leaving behind disappointed players and recruits and all that stuff. I know all the videos of him talking to recruits before signing day look bad. But... It's, this is a business, you know, and Drew Pearson was complaining because I think his, his uh, grandkid or something committed to Colorado and believed Mel Tucker and all this other stuff. And I tweeted out, choose a school for a school. And then everybody jumped on me saying that's the stupidest thing in the world. But as a horrid non-scholarship football player uh, who didn't have an opportunity to choose a school for a coach, I chose a school for a school, academics. Uh, location, stuff like that, and what I could get into, of course, which wasn't much. You, you love like, what's you, wrong with that? You love what's, the what's academics at Central Connecticut State. <laughs> well, I started off at UConn. Oh, okay. Well, that's I good. Started off at UConn. One year, yeah, I got a one point two. I think <laughs> I got I got kicked out. Then I went to Manchester Community College for a couple of years, and then I went to Central for like four years. So I was on like this seven year plan. And again, I didn't choose those for great locations and stuff. They were just local schools. I didn't even want to go to college. But I certainly didn't choose because of a coach. Um, And I don't see, you know, listen, I get it. The coach is the one recruiting you. The coach is the relationship you establish. But do you really know these guys? No. And But here's the thing. Drew Pearson calls him a con man, which is completely out of bounds and ridiculous. And usually I kind of hammer coaches a little bit for doing these things. But in this situation, I agree with you. He got offered a job. He turned it down, said he was staying at his other job. And then they came back with just ridiculous money. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Um, It's a bigger conference. It's a more high-profile job. It's a better recruiting territory. And it's more money. And he has a family to feed. And, you know, this is maybe a job that gets him into an even bigger job. So I really don't have a problem with what Mel Tucker did here. And obviously, everyone's going to put up the Ashad Clayton video of him talking to him and saying they're excited. What's a coach supposed to say, though? Of course, he's going to say those things now. Well, and at, at that time, I don't even think he was, you know, considering like it, Antonio right. jumped down the day before signing day. Right. So he wasn't even really thinking about Michigan State during that phone call. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's a bad look now, though. The, bad optics the now. real question I have about it is. You know, why are you giving Mel Tucker for $5.4 million a year? This guy went 5-7 and seven in one year at Colorado, lost to Air Force, lost, got blown out in other games. He's a good coach, an up-and-coming coach, but they're really kind of going all in on Mel Tucker, and that seems like a risky bet. Well, you know, they got turned down by everybody else. Yeah. And I think after being turned down by a lot of, you know, coaches, 
You got to get they a coach. Just said this, yeah, this is going to get embarrassing. Let's, you know, this guy almost said less. Yes, let's go all in. Plus, he's got ties to the Southeast. And yeah. The only way to win in the Big Ten is to recruit the Southeast, as Urban Meyer and Ryan Day have proven. So, you know, but yeah, are they overpaying? Yes. But did they put themselves in this situation to overpay? Yes. Sure. Yeah. You know, the Antonio got away with, you know, obviously a lot of different stuff there. And, you know, the, the program is a bit of a mess. So he's got a clean enough job to do. And, you know, Matt Rule got more money at Baylor than he normally would have because it was such a mess and he had to clean it up. And I'm not saying he's going to do the same job Matt Rule did at Baylor, but, you know, they had to overpay for a coach. It's just the way it is. But yeah, I, I, the whole thing is, you know, like you don't know these guys, no. right? You're going to, they're going to hire a new coach and every, all the kids are going to love them. Right. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, coach, whatever, whatever, my guy. And the head coach you have, you know, what, 5% of your interaction with. Right. Um, the, the assistant coaches obviously are a little bit more, but you still don't know these guys. No. And, and honestly, I mean, unless it's a very rare circumstance, these are just cookie cutters at every school. The same guy does the same hype on Twitter, does the same speech in the living room. And so, you know, of course you're going to be developing relationships and relationships are incredibly important in anything. That's why I never leave rivals.com. I have such great relationships right. across the board. There's right. never never leave. Left never leave. I'm not leaving. I'm never no, leaving. I'm not leaving. And uh yeah. I mean if they offer me 5.4 million dollars a year someplace I might leave. Yeah, like if a company offered me double my salary and I didn't do anything last year really all that impressive, maybe then I'd leave, but um, I, I don't think I'd leave for double months. But you know, five point four would be pretty good. Yeah, but yeah. And, but look at look at the look at the conferences here. Like look at the conferences. Take a quick look at the conferences. How how long have these coaches been around? Right. Okay. ACC. You know. Okay. You got Dabo and Cutcliffe. You know, Florida State's got a new coach. Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, Boston College. You know, NC State's going to Syracuse. Will. You know, Virginia, Virginia Tech. None of these guys have been around for five, six years. No, so if you're... And you can do that in every conference. Yeah, if you're picking the school because you think you're going to play for the same guy for four or five years, the chances of that are almost slim to none. Well, let's even look at Dabo Swinney, who's, you know, been at Clemson a long time. He just lost, you know, some serious talent at assistant coach, and he'll lose Venable soon. Yep. And Elliot will go soon. It's just the way it is. I mean, if you go to a school where they the coaches suck, they're going to be fired. If you go to a school where they do well, they're going to be picked off and get their own head coaching job. So, you know, I, I didn't say, like, you know, don't talk to coaches and choose a school based on academics and, you know, how you like the quadrangle or whatever they have at these schools these days. Right. But, you know, listen, don't go all in on a coach. He is probably not going to be there. You know, the days of the Bobby Bowden are over. Um, who's the longest tenured coach? Is it is Saban? Right now in college football? I think Saban. Let me and go then, down the list there. not Saban, you know, obviously Swinney has been around for a long time, but you look at the Big 12, there's there's nobody that's been around. I mean, Gary Patterson's been around for a long time, so there's one. Okay, I'll, I'll give the Big 12 one. But the Big, e, uh, the Big 10, I mean, Gerald's been around for a little while, but you know, yeah, it's just there's change. I mean, Kirk Ferentz has been around forever. Okay, so there's like one school in every conference. power five yeah, conference. conference, yeah, you know, uh, except for uh, 
the Pac-12. Well, Kyle Whittingham's been a while, been around a while. Yeah, but what, like eight years? Nine? Yeah, I think. But yeah, everything is new. So everything is new. You might you might get lucky, but again, you know, a lot of these assistant coaches and recruiting coordinators and 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 and, and defensive and offensive coordinators are gone. You know, anyway. So, you know, I just get tired of kids picking a school for a coach only. You know, and, and it doesn't happen at the Stanford's and the Notre Dame's of the world. Right. You know, those kids are making a forty-year decision, as they like to say. Not not hashtag a four-year, forty-year, right, right, right. Forty-year yeah. decision. 40 year. Hashtag. You know, but if you're gonna choose a school, you know, for a dude like Mel Tucker, who, as you said, went five and seven, three more years of that, he's fired. The funny thing is, the funny thing is, I guarantee every Michigan State football signee. And player on that team will have a better experience at Michigan State under Mel Tucker than they would have Mark D'Antonio, who was the most awful, curmudgeon, never happy person uh, ever to coach the game. No. Maybe he's he's low on the list. Bro. Yeah, there's there's you know, Polini just got a job at LSU. <laughs> he's not a head coach though. That's true. <laughs> and we all know I have a friend in the Northeast. Pretty. Person. Yeah, but I mean, ha- have you ever have you ever seen someone so un- an unhappy millionaire, multi millionaire, who coaches a sport be so miserable at life? I mean, it's just it's pretty it's really a shame that he is. He was a good he was a good coach though. He was an okay Ooh. coach some years. Honestly, they they did they did pretty well. I mean, obviously the last few years have been up and down, but they did pretty well. I mean, they went to the playoff. Yeah, they they, That's they went to the playoffs impressive. six years ago and got smashed. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you get smashed. Getting to the playoff is a big deal. Yeah. So, Tantonio was, was, in my opinion, prior to the scandals and all the others, you know, off the field stuff and the Blackwell stuff and all that, was a top 10, 12 coach in college football as far as getting the most out of kids. That's um I don't think that's easy to replace, bro. No, no, it's tough. How, why am I saying bro I don't so know. Much, where, Jake, where are you? At the beach? No, I was watching. I've been watching Homeland, but they don't say bro in Homeland. No, and I forgot the. I forgot it restarted last Sunday, so I have to tape it tonight to watch it. So good, but six hundred pound life. They don't say bro. No, I watch that a lot. Ninety day. Where, where am I getting bro? Ninety day. Where am I getting bro from? I don't know. Ninety day doesn't say bro. I don't know. So, so the I problem on the problem at Michigan State is not the defense; it's the offense. It's so so super stale. They didn't have a thousand yard rusher. Their leading receiver only had six touchdowns. Lewerke regressed over his career, so he's got to yeah. bring in a, some some talent. And there is talent to bring in. Um, it's hard to recruit there too because you know obviously you have Michigan as the brand name in the state of Michigan, and the Midwest is very very competitive yeah but michigan state kind of out recruited michigan in state over the last decade or so i mean you can make that argument because you know they they did when you look at the state rankings they got the top guy a lot yeah but depth you know when you're talking depth right it's just not the case but you know i mean some of these guys have panned out and some of them didn't um, as far as the top players you got to get a lot of them to be successful. And I think Mel know. Tucker is going to breathe new life into that program. I actually breathe new life. I do. I, 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 like I, th- I think Tucker. things went stale Listen, under D'Antonio. It was going nowhere. That's funny. Some 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 guy uh, DM'd me. I don't know who he is. I didn't even look. He's a coach someplace. Mm-hmm. And he saw my first tweet about Tucker, which was 
this is not a good look at all, which was the phone call that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then he, he just, you know, went off on me saying I wasn't a professional and all this other stuff. <laughs> you know, if I was offered twice the money, blah, blah, blah. And then he saw my second tweet, which is, you know, Mel Tucker's not a bad guy. Anybody would take the job. And he's like, oh, you cool. Oh, you cool. <laughs> was the guy's name <laughs> Tell Mucker? <laughs> no, but uh, it, it was it was funny, you know, just because it, it, everybody gets upset that I say pick a school for a school. Right. Everybody gets upset that I criticize a coach for leaving. You know, I mean, D'Antonio should be criticized for leaving at the time he left. Right. Terrible so, timing. Michigan State signees got screwed. And so now Colorado signees get screwed. And it's going to happen. It's just going to continue to happen. And that's the way it goes. So now, you know, who's Colorado going to hire? Well, Darren Shiverini is. I mean, the- everybody talks about, but I. I think he wants an NFL job. Yeah, I think he wants an NFL job. I think he, I I honestly think okay, let's let's ask the, let's ask you this question. What's a bigger job? Offensive coordinator for the Chiefs or the head coach of Colorado? Yeah, I don't know. So I think Dan Shiverini is going to be the interim coach. He's a Colorado guy. He's their top recruiter. Everybody knows and loves him. I don't know why you just don't promote him and see how it goes. Um you know, Eric Bieniemy can come back, but is that a lifelong job for him, or is he going to be the next coach of the San Diego Chargers or the L.A. Chargers or whoever else? He's an. I, I well, think he could a, also go to. He could go to Colorado and ruin his. Sure. Know, he's, he's a hot name right now. Sure. And can you? You know, he's got Mahomes. He can come back and let Mahomes win him another Super Bowl. Right. And, and definitely get a head coaching job. And if you're Eric Bieniemy, a Colorado superstar. Can you take that job for two years and then bounce to another job? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it's like you're almost pinned in for the rest of your career if you go there. Right, and I know you know it's where he played and all that stuff, but it's not. It's a tough job in the Pac-12, yeah. recruiting wise and geographically and all that stuff. But let's say a coaching hot board um, for Colorado, then it's going to be another potential head coach. Sure, I, you know possibly. You know, there's some coordinators on this list here too, but. Let's say they go and get some group of five coach that they like. Uh, you know, and then those signees, those signees are screwed. Graham Harrell's an interesting you know? name. Yeah. Andy Avalos is an interesting name. You know, you're taking a shot at with some of these guys. You don't know. I mean, it's 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 a tough in position. In this day and age, I would I would hire. And that's just me. I would hire an offensive coach. I think you almost have to. Try to just out, times out of just try to outshoot people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the more rules they put in place, and the harder it gets for defenses to compete and stay on the field. And I would just hire an offensive coach. I, I, I see, you know, Andy Avalos is a good, you know, uh, defense coordinator right. now for Oregon and a good coach and all that stuff. But is Colorado really going to win on defense? Right. In the Pac-12? Right. No. They're going to need someone who's going to spread it out, get fast kids from California like they used to, and, and try to win with offense. So. Right. But, man, this is the longest we've ever talked about Colorado Michigan State. Well, this is going to be good for I, their message I, boards. I can't wait to put it on. Well, I, I kind of wish we could segue into uh, Michigan, which we can. So does this make it easier or harder for Jim Harbaugh? Because we know Ryan Day is at Ohio State. Ohio State's recruiting at a different level than everybody else in the world. I think this makes it more difficult for Jim Harbaugh because Mel Tucker, at the very least, can recruit 
and he can recruit the Southeast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely makes it harder. There's, you know, kind of a new regime in place. Everybody knew what they were getting if they were going to Michigan State or if they were recruited by Michigan State. He's going to be more aggressive. He's obviously going to go after uh, in-state guys. He's going to go into the Southeast and get some guys. I think this definitely makes it much more of a challenge for Michigan. Um, you know, Michigan State was seven and six and seven and six, and recruiting was down and talent was down. I thought across the board. I mean, look at their receivers that that they're going to the combine, but you know, can you can you really t- pick one or two plays of Cody White or Daryl Stewart, or, and you're like, wow, those are really elite receivers. So um, I don't know. I think he's going to be able to, you know, dip into the Southeast. He's going to go maybe Juco, which he did at Colorado a little bit, get into Texas, which he did at Colorado a little bit, and recruit the state. I think this makes it tougher for Michigan. So if Harbaugh loses to a new coach in Ryan Day, a new coach in Mel Tucker, and, you know, and James Franklin is at Penn State still. Yeah. He'll still never, never, ever be fired ever. No, he's not going to be fired. Um, no. I don't think he... Like, is there any possibility other than the scandal that, that he gets fired? I, for oh, for performance? No, but, you know, his performance has not been awful. It's just in big games he's been awful. Um, you know, he has gone... 10, well, 10 wins three way, times in five years is not a, is not bad. He's terrible in okay. bowl games, which just reeks of preparation that he just doesn't care. And in big games, uh, they're terrible. But in the last six years, as you mentioned, Michigan State's made the playoff. Yes. Ohio State has made the playoff. Yep. Penn State should have made, made the playoff. playoff. I, I certainly agree there. And, and, and won the Big Ten. Yep. And Michigan has never... No, never come close. Short of the game, they almost beat Ohio State with the whole right and tied for first in the East two years ago. But going ten and three last year, eight and one in the conference. Building off that, Shea Patterson's back. Your entire offensive line looks good. Donovan Peoples Jones, a a big time freshman running back, is coming in. They go nine and four and six and three in the conference and back to third, third in the in their own division. That was definitely a big step back. Yeah, so, you know, I think things, you know, didn't get easier. I think the Antonio being out, you know, makes that division even harder. Yep. And we'll see, you know, Harlow's going to have to step it up. So let's talk rankings real quick. Yep. 2021, I'm not in love with the class. Right. But I know I will fall in love because I wasn't in love with 2020 at first. Yeah. And then I fell in love with a lot of the talent there. Um, you know, 14 five-stars. Some question marks already about them. I mean, this was the first release that I can ever remember where we had as many kids losing their fifth star as gained it. Yeah. We had two kids lose it and two kids gain it. And it's always been, you know, especially after junior season film and, and the you know, the, the future 50 or the Army comment or whatever over the years we've had, it's always been, you know, pretty good addition. But there's nobody that anybody seemed to fall in love with in this class. So... You know, we'll get to 30 or whatever, 34, 32, 30, 30, whatever. Yeah, but uh, right now, nobody seems to want to pull the trigger. See, my thing with this Uh, class is, and it's already happening, is I kind of like 15 through 22 as much or more than I like 1 through 14, you know, like Mario Williams is having a yeah, huge yeah. spring. Ja'Cory Brooks is good. Sam Heward 
is going to be in the conversation as the best quarterback in this class. Terrence Lewis is a monster. Blake Fisher, uh, easily five-star potential. Quay Davis is having an awesome spring. Troy Franklin, um, you know, awesome spring. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversations about moving guys that we, you know, a year ago almost made early five stars or, or, or put five star on moving down. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot of conversations and movement in that, in that top group. Yeah. I'm not sure though. When I look at the current five stars who I could see losing it. I think Bryce Foster is a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's a guard and, I think Tyreek you know, Sapp is a is a miss. He, he already looks like he's thirty years old. Yeah, I think Tyreek Sapp. Tyreek Sapp Zapp for sure. I mean, that was that was mostly me. <laughs> um, I saw a lot of Carl Lawson, and then you know this past weekend at our Miami camp, we didn't see a whole lot of Carl. Lawson, More like Carl so. Lewson. <laughs> and um, you know, I don't know. Carl Lawson again. You could argue shouldn't have been a five star because he wasn't a first round pick, yeah. but had a good career at Auburn and still in the NFL and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So you can go back and forth on and on. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brockermeyer depends on how he comes back. Sure. Uh, Agbuka, I think this wide receiver class is going to be very interesting because I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah, I think it's very good too. But we always end up with, like, you know, a billion five-star wide receivers. And, you know, it's – I don't know. So it's, I just, you know, there's something about everybody. Quay Davis, I saw, I liked him. Didn't, didn't love him. You know, blow me away as far as a five star. Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting group. Mario Williams is small. You know, Corey Brooks is skinny. Yeah. Um, you know, so on and on. And then your boy Bo Collins didn't really impress me that much either. So, you know, I think it's a deep class, but I'm just not sure who's going to. I think it's going to be somebody who we're not talking about. Right. Yeah, and it's you know right it's now, certainly like Marvin Harrison Jr. or something. Yeah, it, it certainly could be. And the and the strange thing about this class is, it's not the six five outside receiver T Higgins types. You know, it's like the six one, six two. Not incredibly impressive physically. Like Egbuka physically is not going to blow you away, but he's going to catch everything thrown his way. He gets open against anybody. You know, Mario Williams is short, but. So super dynamic. Quay Davis is is not super tall, you know. Uh, There's not one wide receiver uh, in the top fifty players in the country that's over two hundred pounds. Yeah, and that's you know you have to get down to um, Colsey, Georgia, at seventy one in the country. He's two hundred five, and then after that, you do not have anybody until you get to Mike. Uh, Crowell in North Carolina at 205. So it's it, it's a skinny group. Yeah. You know, guys like Cravante Rucker, who just committed to Florida, I mean, he's he's six foot, 155 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys need to get bigger. But but I think, like, guys like Braylon Brown, who was just awesome in our camp last weekend, you know, will slide up. Sure. Um, Troy Stellato, who is, you know, awesome, will slide up. And I, I'm looking at that position – it's not a good running back year, and we overcompensated. Not overcompensated. We overranked at running back last year. Yeah. We just did. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Done. I already know it. And it's so stupid because, you know, like when, when I didn't rank Todd Gurley a five-star, I knew it, and I still sat there and didn't do anything about it. When we ranked 10 linebackers as five-stars, I knew it. What was that, 2016? Yeah, the bad I year. I still sat there and stared at it. And like, so, 
I, I just gotta be. I gotta be more mean. I gotta crush more souls. I think so. In 2016, I should have crushed some of your soul. Though, with I had one Maybe miss with Curtis Robinson. Caleb Kelly no, is elite. Mike Juarez, hello. Oh, Mike Juarez. Two, two or three misses. Oh, let's just forget like about Meatloaf that said, guy. Two out of three ain't bad. Freaking top five in the country. Let's just forget about him. <laughs> I love this revisionist history. That was not just, my uh, fault. That was that was uh, Mike's fault. That was a group horrible effort. That was a bad effort. I mean, ben Davis shouldn't have busted out, so I don't disagree. And him, Trey Lamar shouldn't have busted out, but Mike Juarez. That was awful. bad. That was bad. You know, that was Mike issues, though, not talent issues. Your Stanford guy. Well, that was a miss. Caleb Kelly's been mad. No, Caleb Kelly's been very, very good. He's been mad. He's been very, very good. Not all American or anything. You know, Keandre Jones, awful. Uh, Eric Fowler, booted. Sean Smith, awful. Oh God, I don't know why I keep looking at it. It's, it's good. Impressive. It's good though that we got all the bads out in one year. You know, like you don't want to have half good, yeah, half bad. Future linebackers are they're screwed now. Yeah. Although we, did, I looked at it. We had a lot of five star linebackers this year. Yeah. But they're freaks, man. I mean, if they don't pan out, if if Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. Don't pan out. Let's quit. Or, or Trenton Simpson <laughs> doesn't pan out. Or Derek Wingo. I mean, we're talking freak athlete players. Yeah. If they don't pan out, then I don't know what to tell you about linebackers. I'm just going to pick, I don't know, the worst-looking linebacker and make him a five-star because, I don't know. This, 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 I mean, look at Clay Matthews. He was horrible. I know, but but as we've learned He's over the years. skinny and horrible. Over the years, all you need little speed at linebacker, and then everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, but then it was length, and now it's not length. Because the two guys, you know, LSU and Michigan, first-rounders, are short. Yeah, that's true, too. You know, by linebacker standards. So then length is out the window, but we still want length because 6'3", 6'3", is better than six foot. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I just can't figure that position out. I don't know just, what to do. And we're not the... We're not the only ones. I mean, listen, we, we had more five stars than everybody else in that year, but everybody had those kids highly ranked, and they all ended up lost that yeah. So, But, you know, it's going to be somebody like Cody Simon or Curtis Jacobs who's going to just be the freak stud. And well, like, oh. I'll put my money on Cody Simon. I loved him in San Antonio. Makes no mistakes, always around the ball. That's the kind of kid I like. Well, I'm going to tell you who the best linebacker in this class is. Uh, it, point only. Ready? Mm-hmm. Hands down. Not even close. Get all your West Coast hype. Oh, God. It's Trenton Simpson. I knew you were going to say that. Freak. Is Justin Flo not a Closing freak? Closing speed. Justin Flo is a freak, physically a freak. He closes very well, and then he'll try to, like, do a suplex off the top rope. Yeah. To make the play look exciting. Noah Soul's not a freak at 270 pounds? He's a freak. Like oh, he's a freak for sure, but, you know, he's like a locomotive. But Trenton Simpson is long. He's got long arms. He's explosive. He's quick twitch. He gets to the football faster than any of those guys. And uh, he's going to Clemson, and you're going to hear a lot about him. Oh, yeah. No, I I think all three could be super special. We'll see. We'll be on this podcast three years from now and be like, why did those three guys bust out? How is that possible? With the same amount of listeners. (laughs) So the most important recruit in the class this year is Kamar Wheaton. Kamar Wheaton. Because I think there's just... Yeah, because I think there's such a disparity at running back. Yeah. Uh, 
in this class. I, I do like some other guys, you know, but there's a big drop off from Kamara Wheaton to, down to Donovan Edwards and Trevion Henderson, like a huge drop off. And then, you know, I like Evan Pryor and Will Shipley as, um, you know, as, as running backs as well. But I think that's the kid because he's got the legit track speed. And I just hope he doesn't do a Zach Evans. Yeah. And, um, you know, sort of mess himself up. But Texas needs to get that kid. Oklahoma needs to get that kid. Texas A&M needs to get that kid. They cannot let him get out to the Alabamas of the world. Yeah. And that's going to be one to watch because Alabama is obviously trending for him. Georgia's going to try to come and take him. Florida, a bunch of other schools are going to try to take him as well. The Big 12 needs to keep him or SEC and A&M's. Who's the most important to you, though, that, that you think? You know, I think I think Tuimalau is an interesting one because he's so versatile. Um, and if he goes to Ohio State, that's a huge loss for Washington, although I I think he probably stays home. And then I'm interested at the at, at quarterback. I think Caleb Williams is super important. Um and I and I like the group. I, I like the quarterback group a lot. So but I get I get yeah. I get your Kamar Wheaton argument. Uh he's gotta stay in the Big Twelve or that's really a statement about how they can't keep kids home. I mean with two Amalo there's this Corey form. You know, you got another big defensive end in this class. Yeah. Um you know, quarterback wise I get it. You know, as far as dual threats are concerned, there's a big drop off after Caleb Williams, so that's a good one there. See see um, now Tyler Buckner put up huge numbers, but he plays nobody, so it's really a kind of a guessing game with him, you know. Most of these kids play nobody. I mean, you know, it's just what do you do? Like Thomas Tyner played nobody. And he busted he ran, out. What, like ten ten three hundred meters, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe lower than that. Score ten touchdowns in a freaking half or something. Yeah. Look great, two hundred and five pounds. I know, looked great, yeah, played great, thick, but was injured at every possible event. Always injured. Like he, he injured himself in every way. So what do you do? Plays nobody, but he's a freak. Do you make him a five star, or do you say he's gonna be a bust? And he busted out. Yeah. Um, you just don't know. I mean, competition level is tough. Yeah. You know, because then you say, okay, this kid, you know, from I don't know, let's say some running back from Maryland isn't as good as a six eight kid in Florida. Right. Well, yeah, maybe. Right. Maybe not. You just don't know. I don't know. So rankings are tough, but they're fun. Have a good time with it. The transfer portal is really fun. That's that's that is the uh... Anoma. Guy's like Anoma. How how about that? Huh? Live there. Yeah. Now now he's got like a he's got a cot. Yeah. In the transfer portal, and you know he has like a security like code a to get in and out. He a little nightstand. It's like an it's like an anytime fitness form. Right, it should show up whenever <laughs> he wants to. He's got his own key fob. <laughs> oh, he's just gonna keep hopping back in there. You're back. People are gonna take chances on him because he's so physically freaky, and he's gonna continue to bust out. And yeah, I just I just love it. I, I just I just sit there and watch the transfer portal all day long. I'm just a loser like that. So all right, well that's we're gonna it. Wrap it I think up we here. have to wrap it up. Um, last thing though, you know who who got married on 90 Day that you didn't think was going to? For me, it's Marcel and whatever her name is. Yeah, Anne. 
Anna. The beekeepers, because they can't even communicate with each other. They can't even speak the same language. And he sounds like he's speaking Klingon. Well, I'll tell you. If that's Turkish, they need to reevaluate their language. I know. Well, the other problem is, is okay, they were they had planned to get married the whole time until Marcel's mommy told him not to. But then he comes back. They got married in their ba- in his backyard. There's like a chairs laying out there. There's like an umbrella. I mean, what an embarrassment. They didn't even have music or anything. Well, they didn't have time. They had, a, they had like an hour. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, she was planning this wedding for 90 days, wasn't she? Guess who's never going to get married ever in a million years? Ma- never, Michael? ever, ever, ever. Michael? Michael and Angela. <laughs> never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever. Well, ever. who's going to tote the baby? <laughs> She's got to get a witness to fly over to where? Nigeria. Is it Nigeria or Kenya or something? Well, that's what my wife said. Yeah. Is she, she goes, all of her American lawyers are telling her, do not do this. It will not matter. It will take longer to get him to America. And she's still not listening to them. She's still going to do it, I think. They're not going to get married. No. No, no I don't think so. And the one that's going to be the funnest, uh, most fun. Most fun. The dude with the, I'm bad with names. Everybody knows I'm bad with names. Dude with the cornrows. Uh, with the oh, star Annie, grandmother. Oh, Annie and. Uh, Annie and. Uh, uh, Anthony? No. Annie and. Uh, the kid is Bryson and. Uh, yeah, Bryson. Yeah, it's a cute kid. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, is never going to work. No, but the fact that he stopped midway and said, I can't do this, she should have kicked him right in the teeth right. and then right in the, right in the jump. Right. Absolutely. Like, who does that? Yeah. I know it's for TV. Right. Listen, we all know this is staged. But come still, on. Still. Still. That was, like, crazy. But, yeah, they fight all the time, and they don't hold any punches back either. No, and the porn star grandmother was going to pay to get her out of the country. That can't be a healthy relationship. Yes, but your theory is that she's the mom of Bryce. What? Oh, that's not your theory? That was somebody's theory. No, that is definitely not my theory. <laughs> I'm still talking to too many people about 90 <laughs> yeah, right. Day Fiance. <laughs> I thought that was yours. All right, Dave Barry, right. let's get an update on your uh, luxurious life, and then let's get out of here. <laughs> Why do you think my life is luxurious? Because we tried to schedule this podcast like six times, and you couldn't make it any of the Fly- six times. Flying to Florida twice in a week, you're a jet setter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do have other things going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like fun stuff, not like us. All right, boys, no, I gotta go. No, it's, it's not not that fun. Yeah, let's get out of here. We'll see everybody again next week.